Do you ever do a double take when you hear something or see something that's really different or hard to explain or maybe difficult to accept or believe? I mean, like this. Let me give you an example. Did you know, did you know that it is harder to get a job at Walmart than it is to be accepted at Harvard University? Yeah, yeah, look at this. The acceptance rate at Harvard is 4.5%. However, the acceptance rate at Walmart, only 2.6% of the people who apply actually get jobs. So there you have it. And I got this off the internet, so we know it's true. It is harder to get a job at Walmart than it is to get into Harvard. Now, there's perfectly good reasons for those stats, but it is something that makes you go, what? Say what? I'm not quite sure about that. That's what this series is about. Not that, not those stats, but that kind of thing. We're doing a series called Say What? Because we're talking about the mind-blowing things Jesus said. When he said them, when he explained them, it made people do a double take. Because, see, Jesus challenged the conventional thinking and the conventional living of his day. And he did so in such a way that affected people not just then in that culture, but even today in our culture. He raised the bar on how life should be lived, then and now. You see, back then in the first century, Jesus' primary audience, the Jewish people, the Jewish culture, specifically for our context, the religious culture in the Jewish context, they felt like they had it all together. You know why they felt like they had it all together? Because they had something called the law of Moses that God had given to them to govern them while they were wandering through the wilderness and establishing their own society, the law of Moses. Never mind the fact that none of them could keep the law of Moses. None of them could fully live it out. 613 laws in the law of Moses. 613, do this, don't do this, do this here, don't do this there, that kind of thing. No wonder they couldn't live up to it. Actually, that was the point. The point is that God wanted them to see that they ultimately needed a Savior. That there was nothing that they could do on their own, in their own strength, in their own volition, in their own trying and turning over new leaves and trying harder. And here we're going to try again. Nothing in and of themselves as human beings was good enough, could hit the mark. They, just like we, just like all of us, are in need of a Savior. And so when Jesus, the Savior of the world, came to earth, his message challenged their thinking and changed the way that they thought about what it meant to live a life that is honoring to God. And Jesus brought a whole new way of thinking and a whole new way of living. Matthew records that Jesus said in regards to the law of Moses that he came to accomplish the purpose of the law. In other words, he came to fulfill it. What no human being could do, keep the entire 613 laws, do's and don'ts and all that in the law of Moses, Jesus did perfectly, precisely, flawlessly, because he was God in flesh and bone. He was the God-man. Jesus was perfect. He came to do what we could not do, and that is live a perfect life. John writes like this. 
For the law, talking about the law of Moses, again, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus' mission was to do what the law of Moses could not do, bring grace and truth in such a way that connects us to God, not because we kept the law, because none of us could get it all right, but because Jesus did for us what none of us could accomplish on our own. Now, I know that's a lot, and I know I just jumped into the deep end of the pool, but I did that on purpose because I want to refer you back to something. We talked about all of this in great detail. In fact, we did an entire series on what I just shared with you in the last two to three minutes. Back in 2019, in March of April of 2019, we did a series called Trilogy where we talked basically about the whole story. Everything that I just kind of summarized, we detailed it out. So I want to encourage you, if you don't remember that series or if you weren't here at the summit during that series, to go back and watch it for the first time or maybe go back and watch it again. I think it was a great series for us to learn together what all of that was about. So fast forward to the first century. Jesus is teaching his famous Sermon on the Mount. And it was in that sermon where Jesus got to a section of the sermon that we're going to spend just about all of our time focusing on for the next six weeks in this Say What series, where Jesus challenged conventional thinking, challenged conventional living, and did so in such a way and said things in such a way that made people go, Say what? Wait, come again? Yet made them do a double take and really think about how they were living. In fact, six times, and this is what we're going to talk about in this series, six times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said something to the effect, referring back to the law of Moses, you have heard it said, and then he describes what was in the law of Moses, and then Jesus said, but I say to you, and then Jesus challenged conventional thinking, challenged conventional living, conventional ways of understanding that they thought they had it all figured out because they had the law. They couldn't keep the law. They couldn't figure out how to make it work, but they had it. Jesus said, no, I'm going to bring a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of living where I am the focus. And actually, to be quite honest, what Jesus says trumped everything that came before him. And what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount still trumps everything that has come after him. Let me just give you the key. Let me give you a clue to where we're going in the next six weeks. Jesus did something that had never been done before. Jesus brought the focus to the heart of the human being. And I don't mean the blood pumping muscle in our chest. I'm talking about who we are on the inside, our character, who we truly are, our heart, what's on the inside. Jesus took the focus off of a list of laws and do's and don'ts, and he took it deeper to the heart of the matter, literally. And that's what we're going to talk about. And that's what Jesus was getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. Every time he said, you have heard it said, but I say to you, and he raised the bar. And made people go, say what? And Jesus began where we will begin today, talking about our anger and how we respond when we get angry. Now let's be honest. Not all anger 
is bad. There is actually a category of anger, and the scriptures talk about this, and people talk about it, and you probably have talked about it, especially if you're a Christian. Maybe you've even heard it talked about in church circles. There's a category of anger that we call righteous anger. Yeah, sometimes it's a good thing to get hot under the collar. It's it's a good thing to get angry. In response to injustice, evil, when we see someone mistreating someone else, yeah, that's called a righteous anger, an anger for a righteous reason and for a righteous good end. We feel that kind of anger when we see things like slavery, domestic abuse, child abuse, sex trafficking, racism. When we interact with things like adultery and violence, some things are worth getting upset about. But even then, even with righteous anger, you still have to be very careful with how you respond in that anger because we can be very unrighteous in our response to something that was intended to be righteous. In other words, we want to be angry about this. We feel angry about this because that is wrong and we are right to be angry about what is so wrong, but yet sometimes we even take it so far that we can be right in the wrong kind of way. And that's always wrong. Let me, let me explain. When it comes to anger, we just live in an angry culture. We just live in an angry culture. We do. People are angry. Everywhere around you, you see, people are so angry. They just live angry lives. They're angry about this and angry about that. Now, some of the things they're angry about are things you should be angry, just like we talked about. But we take it way too far, and then we get so angry about stuff that really doesn't matter. We just are angry. And let me get a little bit more personal, okay? Since you're watching and and I'm watching and this involves us, let me get a little bit more specific. We don't just live in an angry culture. You and I have reason to be angry. Because somewhere, somebody said something or did something. We have reason to be angry about someone or something in our past, or someone or something in our present. And so we need to pay very close attention, since this is something we all deal with, this whole anger thing. We need to pay very close attention to what Jesus said about our anger and how we should respond with our anger. And I'm just going to let you know, what Jesus said in this Sermon on the Mount about anger was like a mic drop moment. It was controversial, it was new, it was different. In fact, it was considered by some to be scandalous. And the kind of thing that got people so upset, they eventually killed him, they crucified him over stuff like this. So let's let's go to what Jesus said. Here we go. You have heard, remember I told you, Earlier on, that Jesus said, you've heard, he's getting ready to refer back to the law of Moses. You have heard that our ancestors were told, talking about the law of Moses way back when, you must not murder. And if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. At this point, everybody's listening, going, yep, you're right. Yep, you're right. That's what the law says. Yep, that's what we were taught. In fact, that's in the top ten, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Yep, 
We got you, Jesus. We're tracking with you. Jesus said, you know how it is. You commit murder, then you're going to be held accountable for that. Judgment. Watch this. But I say, there it is. Jesus is raising the bar. This is where people are going to go. Say, what? If you are even angry with someone, you are subject. Same word to judgment, to being held accountable. So Jesus changed things, brought a whole new way of thinking, and this conventional thinking, well, I just need to make sure I go through life and don't kill anybody. Jesus said, no, 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 no. No, that's way too low of a bar. What's really most important is what's going on on the inside. Jesus said, but I say to you, you need to pay attention to your anger, which really is the emotion that leads to killing somebody when it gets to its greatest extent, all the way fleshed out. Jesus said, you need to pay attention to the anger on the inside of you. And even if you are struggling with anger towards someone, you are held just as accountable for that anger as someone would be for taking someone else's life. Again, I told you, we're going, what? What? Jesus is going somewhere. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. Now, Jesus is going to go through a progression. He begins by saying, I tell you, that it's not just about killing somebody. You need to pay attention to the anger in your own heart. That's where it starts. Don't ignore that. But Jesus said, let's take it a step further. If you're so angry that you find yourself calling somebody an idiot, you're going to find yourself in the court. You're going to find yourself having to give an account for that. It's going to not go so well for you. You're going to be in some big trouble. Now, the word idiot here is not the word that you and I use for idiot. Um, he's not saying if you call somebody a big dummy, right? It's not the playful, oh, you idiot, you big dummy. No, 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 no. This is a word in the Greek of contempt. This is you getting so frustrated with someone, you are now looking at them with disdain. And your anger has grown to the point of hate, even. And so if you've let it, get, let it get that far, Jesus said, this is getting worse. You're going to have to deal with this. And then he goes here. And if it gets to the point, if your anger gets to the point that it goes beyond just contempt, and now you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Now hold on. Again, you're going, what, what, over anger, what are you telling me? Okay, just hang with me. Let me explain this. Jesus said, if it gets to the point now where you curse somebody. Now, that's not the word we use for cursing. Like, if you cuss somebody out, let a string of bad words, and you beep, 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 you know, those things. And I know you've never done it, but you know what other people say and what you see in the movies and stuff on TV. Not you, but them. You know what I'm talking about, though. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, if you get to the point where you curse someone in that you wish harm to them, you wish ill towards them, that you get to a point where you hope something bad happens to them. Now you're getting a lot closer to a murderous heart, because eventually where that's going to lead, you want something bad to happen to them so badly, you're willing to do it yourself. That's where that's going. That's where Jesus is drawing this out. And he says, if you get to that point where you are wishing harm or wishing ill will towards someone else, you are in danger of the fires of hell. 
Now, now hold on. Jesus is not talking about the traditional understanding of hell. The traditional understanding of hell where people go and they burn forever and ever and ever. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about that because of the word. We know this because of the word Jesus is, Jesus is using here that's translated hell. He's using a Greek word called Gehenna. Gehenna was an actual place outside of Jerusalem, the Valley of Hinnom. And it was basically the trash dump where people threw their trash and there were fires burning there all the time because that's where people burn their trash. In ancient Israel, outside of Jerusalem, this was the place uh, that was considered a place of evil, a place of darkness, a place of destruction where they would execute criminals. And a lot of sketchy stuff happened in the Valley of Hinnom, in Gehenna. It is referred to as a place of destruction. So when Jesus said, if you let your anger get to the point where you are wishing ill and harm towards someone else, then you're at a point where you're going to bring destruction, not just to that relationship, but you're going to bring destruction to yourself. And when he used the word Gehenna, the fires of hell, everybody in his audience knew exactly what he was talking about. And they knew he wasn't referring to some eternal destiny of burning in hell, that kind of thing, as the traditional idea of hell goes. It's like me and you having a conversation, and, and I say, oh man, it's getting ready to hit the fan. You see, when I say that, you know exactly what I mean. You know I'm not talking about hitting anything, and you know it's not, there's not really a fan involved. It's an idiom. This is what Jesus was referring to, this idiom, this idiom of destruction. One more quick thing on that, by the way. Another reason we know he's not talking about a literal place called hell will people go and burn because in the traditional understanding of hell people go to hell who reject jesus but in this context whatever hell is it's for people who have uncontrolled anger now wait a second i know a lot of christians i know a lot of people in church some of you have uncontrolled anger and you're a follower of jesus even so we know he's not talking about hell forever and ever and ever he's just saying there's going to be some destructive things that happen in your life the point is the issue here is not, well, I ain't never killed nobody, and that's all I got to worry about. As long as I don't kill nobody. No, 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 no. The anger issue is the issue. The issue of anger, and we talk about anger issues, right? Almost to a point of, of joking, right? Oh, they got anger issues. Maybe sometimes we're honest enough to say, no, 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 I, I got anger issues. I got to tell you. Or maybe we're so arrogant to say, well, it's not like I got anger issues, I haven't killed anybody. I've never taken it that far to minimize the anger in our lives. And what Jesus is saying to them and saying to us is that we're not as innocent as we want to think we are. Just because we've never killed anybody, we still have to deal with the root cause, and that is anger. And anger is always an issue of the heart. That's what Jesus is getting at. He raised the bar. He changed the, the conventional way of thinking. It's, it's not just about, well, whatever, just don't kill anybody. No, 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 no. Anger is the issue, and it's always an issue of the heart. Your anger is an issue of the heart. It tells you something about who you really are, about what's going on, really going on, truly going on, honestly transpiring inside of you. Your anger 
teaches you something about the real you, something that you need to pay attention to and care about and deal with. What Jesus is saying is, you'd better not ignore your anger. You'd better not excuse your anger because God doesn't excuse it. It shouldn't be excused. And you shouldn't just accept it. Well, I'm just an angry person. Well, I'm just having some anger issues. Well, I'm just going through a time where I'm just dealing with a lot of anger. Okay, well, it's good that you know that. But you better do something about that because that's going to lead to a place of destruction, Jesus was teaching. Not just for that relationship you're in, but even for you personally. It's going to end up in a dark place. It's going to end up in a place where things don't go so well for you. Anger is always an issue of the heart. So think, think, think. Who am I angry with? Who am I angry with? Remember, you have a reason to be angry. If you're like me and I'm like you and you're like everybody else, there's somebody somewhere that's done something, either in the past or in the present. Maybe you're angry with a specific person, maybe a spouse or an ex-spouse, a friend or an ex-friend, maybe a coworker or a boss. Or it could be that you're angry with a group of people. It's not one individual specific human being. It's a group of human beings, a group of culture, or a, a group of people in society because they do a certain thing or they don't. They live a certain way or they don't. Because they look a certain way or they don't. Or they vote a certain way or they don't. Who are you angry with? you got to get honest. You got to get really honest with yourself. Don't ignore it. Don't excuse it. Don't just accept it because it'll lead to a very destructive place. Here's another thing to consider What do you think and feel? When you see them, you know the them, the person that you're angry with, the them, and everybody's got a them. What do you think and what do you feel when you see them or hear their name? When you see them or hear someone talk about them, do you find yourself you know, getting even angrier. Now you just reminded me of what they did, of what they said, of what they never did, what they should have done. And now you're feeling a little hot under the collar and you're just wishing harm to them. Well, I just wish somebody would. And we even say it, right? When someone brings up their name, oh, don't even, don't even go there. Don't even, don't even. I don't even hear their name. Girl or your dude, whatever, whatever you do. Thirdly, what happens when good or bad things happen to them? Just processing your anger, helping you see that you and I are not as innocent as we want to think we are. What happens? When something good happens to them, you find yourself getting even more angry because they don't deserve it and they shouldn't and that should have been me and I'm so frustrated and I'm, now, I'm more angry now than I was before. I can't believe that they were blessed or maybe when something bad happens to them, you find yourself getting secretly um, glad. Serves them right. Well, it's about time. You make your bed, you need to lie in it. And, oh. These are the kinds of things that we need to think about, that we need to wrestle with. These are the kinds of things that Jesus wanted us to pay attention to because these are the issues of the heart and Jesus always cares most about what's going on on the inside of you because what happens in here determines what you do and what I do and how we live out here.
So what do you do with your anger? When you realize who you're angry with and what it makes you think and feel and when something good happens to them and bad happens to them. So you're getting to the point where you're like, yes, I have anger issues. We all do to some degree. So how do you deal with your anger? How do you respond? Do you avoid the issue? Do you avoid dealing with it? Or do you go on the attack? Perhaps you just gossip about it. You want to tell everybody else about what they did and what they said. Or maybe you go right to social media and you start tweeting about it. You know those um, passive-aggressive tweets that everybody kind of knows what you're talking about even though you're not actually talking about it. Or maybe you go to the church's Facebook page and you spiritualize it, but you're throwing zingers. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that, is that too close to home? You see, Christians, we have a sneaky way of doing this. In the name of taking a stand against things that make us angry, even righteous anger, a lot of times Christians, followers of Jesus, do and say some very unchristlike kinds of things because our anger is uncontrolled and it's leading to a destructive place. So Jesus says what we need to do. I don't know how you respond, but Jesus lets us know how we should respond, especially because we are his followers. So we pick up the reading where Jesus in the sermon says, So, after he said all he said about anger, anger is the issue here. Not about just killing people and not killing anybody. Anger is the issue. So, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, in other words, if you're at church worshiping God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. In other words, there's an issue between you and they're angry at you. And you're angry at them because the context of this is anger. Look what Jesus said do. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Leave church if you need to. And go and be reconciled. Go and deal with it with that person. Then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. What? Are you kidding me? Jesus is saying, you're, oh yeah, you're, you come to church and I want to worship and I love Jesus and I serve and I give and I volunteer and I love the summit and I love God and I'm a good man, I'm a good woman and you, all that kind of stuff and, and it dawns on you, wait a second, I do have anger issues. He said, you need to deal with that and you need to deal with it now. You need to begin dealing with it immediately. In fact, Drop your sacrifice. If you need to leave church, get in the car, go deal with it, send a text, send an email, make a phone call and say, hey, can we talk about this? Go and be reconciled, Jesus said. In other words, deal with it. Again, that was one of those drop the mic moments. Because nobody saw that coming and they were scratching their heads, but I'm telling you, this was the way Jesus taught. He challenged conventional ways of thinking and living. And so when it comes to your anger and my anger, we must deal with it. In fact, let me just give you three words to consider. And one of them Jesus gave to us, but they all start with an R. Jesus said, reconcile, deal with it, go talk about it, go work it out reconcile as much as you possibly can find an opportunity to have a conversation and work it out if at all possible reconcile whatever it was that brought you to this place of anger and then here's another r release it 
Now, he didn't actually use that word here, but he teaches us all the time throughout the New Testament about forgiveness, and that's what releasing it is. Forgiving them for what they did or didn't do. Asking them to forgive you for what you did or didn't do, that you should have done, should have said, all of the shoulda, woulda, couldas. Release that and offer each other forgiveness. And then restore. Jesus talks a lot in the scriptures, in the New Testament, about restoring relationships, which is the end result of forgiveness. Getting to a point to where you can now be kind to each other, where you can serve each other, where you can pray for and even pray with each other, where you can love first, just like Jesus loves us. Following Jesus' example, hey, we're about done, but I, I want to point something out. Do you know that Jesus had the most reason to be angry than anyone who's ever lived? He had the biggest reason, the most reason, the most evidence. You know why? Because he knows everything. He knows all the dirt on everybody in the world. He knows what's really going on in the world, what's really going on. He misses nothing. He knows all the behind-the-scenes background stuff about the world, about people in the world, about you, about me, about us. He knows everything. He has all the dirt. And how did he respond? You see, he had every reason. The greatest reason to be angry, and I'll take it a step further, and he had the greatest, <laughs> the greatest way to display his anger if he chose to. Because he could have destroyed us all and sent us all to hell, right? He could have burned us all. But what did Jesus decide to do? Knowing everything about you and everything about me and everything about the world, having the greatest opportunity for anger, what did Jesus do in response? You know what he did. We talk about it often. Jesus died. He put himself, he allowed human beings, his creation, so literally, he put himself on a cross, and he died for angry people. And he died for the effects of all of their anger, and my anger, and your anger. And he died to deal with all of the things that, has, that could give God reasons to be angry with us. A self-giving, self-sacrificing display of love. That was his response to the things that you could say, man, that would make God so mad. And instead of presenting himself as an angry, vengeful God, he presented himself as a self-giving, self-sacrificing, loving God, and he died. For anger and angry people and all the effects of it. In fact, that's just who God is. So what an example to follow. What an example to follow. Are you angry? What are you angry about? And maybe the bigger question to leave you with is, what are you going to do next to deal with your anger? Because if you let that go, it's going to lead to a dark destructive place for not just relationships in your life, but for you personally. So what are you going to do next to address it and to deal with it? My challenge to you is respond 
the way Jesus responded and the way Jesus encouraged us, reconcile it, release it, restore it, deal with it in a healthy way. So that at the end of the day, we are treating each other the way God, through Jesus, chose to treat us. Let's deal with our anger. I, I'm, I'm glad you never killed anybody. And, and I'm glad. But we don't get points just for not going to the extreme. We need to go to the heart of the matter. And Jesus said, anger is always an issue of the heart. Let's pay attention to ours. And let God do a work there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for sharing this with us. We thank you for the words of Jesus that are challenging and stinging even. And they do make us do a double take and make us go, it's like, what? But that's exactly what we need. Forgive us for giving ourselves an out because we've never killed anyone. And may we pay attention to the anger that's within us. And why? And to whom? And for what reason? And what's behind it? And get help if we need to get help so that we can deal with it, reconcile, release, restore, and treat each other the way you through Jesus have treated us. Self-giving, self-sacrificing love. Help us to pay attention to the anger within us before it becomes destructive. Help us to follow you in this way. And I ask this not just for myself, but for all my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen.